0: Please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome, everybody. You're listening to org radio, and this week has been a fun and exciting week. I am joined here in studio with Jesse as we begin to, uh, yet another hour of all sorts of, of made-up nonsense, according to the president, uh, all the f- fictitious, factual stuff that we can can. De- uh, disgorge out to you folks to make you believe the great lie that guns are actually good. So it's been it's been just a rip-roaring week listening to all of the stuff spilling out of D.C., and I, I think we need to take a few minutes to address it.
2: Yeah, I want to address the fact that guns are neither good nor bad. It's all about um, who's holding the gun.
1: I, I think guns are actually a positive thing force in human society and the reason is is because it equalizes people of disparity in strength to be able to defend themselves when
2: it's in a good hands yes well the the guns have no personality of their own is my point it's there, there are no good guns and evil guns they're just guns and the more good people that have guns then outweigh bad people having guns and that's where the positive comes in and that's why i believe that every person that's not a convicted felon should exercise their second amendment rights to create a a, i don't know a a nation of fear when it comes to criminals to be afraid to commit their crimes
1: i kind of want to delve into the convicted felon thing because it bothers me it bothers me greatly because we treat guns as this weird separate category that is, is somehow lesser or less protected than other common items that people possess, okay? If you become a convicted felon, why don't we take your car away?
2: Um, in certain cases, I guess they would if you got a DUI. The okay, Which DUI so do you have to get to for it to finally be a felony, like number 10, right? Seven. So I was close. I wasn't that far off
1: so if but that's uh, you only take it away in cases where someone used a car to commit their crime, but with a convicted felon, you take away their right to possess a gun, even if their felony was drug related, if their felony was white collar crime related if their felony was environmental crime related you know you set uh, fire to your your grass and it happens to spill over on a federal land next thing you know you 're in federal prison and lose your gun rights because you know you, we can 't let you have a gun. why would we? Put guns that are enshrined in the Constitution as a, a protected right at less of an advantage than cars. Why don't we say convicted felons can't own a car?
2: Because a uh, gun is not supposed to be a privilege. A car is a privilege. Why are we revoking the rights and not the privileges?
1: Right. I mean, that's exactly what I'm getting at. And you say, well, a gun is more likely to do damage. No, it's not. You're much more likely to die in a car accident than you are from being shot. And and all of the increase of mass violence, they're talking about some 300 mass shootings during the Obama co- presidency compared to like 20 during Bush and and, and 24 during Clinton. I, I mean, the truth is is that if, if we could go through a year nationally with only 300 deaths by car accidents, I, I think it would be a red-letter year.
2: You know, I was watching the town hall meeting clips. Because you
1: can't wash the whole thing. It would make you vi- Well, five minutes Ill. of
2: Obama makes me want to puke. But um, they were discussing with the lady who is the wife of American Sniper, mm-hmm. Chris Kyle. I want to say her name was Tara Kyle or T- Tina.
1: Taya, I think.
2: Taya, whatever. Um they were discussing with her because you know you had to submit your question ahead of time and get approval on it um murder yep. rates in in the US and how the murder rates have actually dropped and obama says well in the in the cities where there's no gun control murder rates are they're dropping. on the rise but i i beg to differ i believe that he's got that a little backwards and you know they they always twist these um, stats to to be what they want them to be, but so far this year, from January um, 1st, 2016 to January 9th,
1: 2016, the
2: wonderful city of Chicago has had 76 shootings, 11 of which Ended up as deaths. Were those and all? Sixty-five th- were just wounded. But
1: let's be fair. Were all those shootings perpetrated by Rahm Emanuel's police department running amok? No, because uh, there's does, a possibility there. It
2: does not say how, but
1: uh, le- was, they're, was,
2: they're counting eleven total homicides in the city that allows no guns now. Eleven total homicides. Remember so, that this
1: city is run by President Obama's former chief of staff
2: okay so we're gonna go look at 2015
1: are you ready i'm
2: ready can let's see can you guess how many homicides were in chicago in 2015 um 1100 there were total of 2995 shootings okay uh 443 of these people were were killed by those shootings 2,552 were wounded but they have 501 total homicides which means that some of these people were murdered in other ways you know rope or train or (laughs) death by concrete shoes whatever it's Chicago
1: Chicago well so I overshot by a little over half but I think that um, if you look at the the cities that have the highest gun control and the states that have the highest gun control, there's a correlation between more con- gun control equals more crime and more innocent people dying. And the question that I wanted to have the president answer, which would not pass his one-question screening provisions, which is why the NRA didn't show up, we're hearing a lot of, of flack that, oh, the NRA was invited but they didn't want to come. Well, they didn't want to come on President Obama's terms, which was submit one question ahead of time and I'll answer it in your presence. And you want to know what the question that I would like to have the President answer is? Why did the San Bernardino shooting end up with so many people injured and dead and yet the Garland, Texas incident did not? Answer that one.
2: Because the Garland, Texas incident was not done in a gun-free zone where there was no guards. It was done in um, San Bernardino on an area that was gun-free zone. So basically, they leave people as st- sitting ducks with law and then wonder why the criminals take advantage of that opportunity. Well, it, I it's really um, political stupidity.
1: I don't think it's stupidity. I think it's design and... and 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 provocation. What they're doing is they are making it so that there will be these kinds of incidents in such a way. I mean, do we hear about politicians being assassinated? No. No. We hear about average people getting shot. Why? Because honestly, if politicians were getting assassinated left and right right now, I don't think that there would be a lot of public outcry. But they were sure would be on the political side of it. So they have engineered a system where the, the the incidents, if they're going to happen at all, and I don't think that they're staging it, but I think that they have created conditions where if it's going to happen, it's going to involve average citizens in order to get the the, my, the majority of people worked up about this in order to be able to pass emergency legislation and to take more power away from the people.
2: Now, I want to go over New York City's crime statistics, okay? Which is I is to
1: just go, like, right over New York City and not stop. But. It's
2: another one of these cities where they have serious gun control in New York City, right? Right. Okay, so the NYPD is reporting that murders are up 20% for 2015. So, it says since January 1st. 54 murders have been recorded in the city Mm -hmm. but there was one 17 hour period where there wasn't a single murder for 17 whole hours which is apparently some kind of record record for new york city but then i'm going to look up atlanta's murder statistics for 2015 and see what that is
1: and you know we we talk about these statistics, and they're trying to build this case that you need to have more gun control. You need to have the ability to take guns away from people in order to have safer cities, and it's just not true. I mean that that that's a fallacy. The other thing that they keep or pushing on is that they they need more more and better background checks, and this is kind of a common ground that the NRA has been har- harping on, and that the the you know every pro gun uh, place that you talk to says, well we have plenty of, of laws on the books just to implement what's existing and I think that Obama has decided to use their own argument against them and say okay yeah there's plenty of laws on the books let's implement more on what's existing and twist the definitions around and that's something that I find terribly frightening and nobody wants to talk about it everyone's like oh well the definition of a dealer has been so broad and vague for years It's not even, he didn't do anything to change the definition of a dealer no but if you go back and we posted this on our Facebook page and I think that that's you know a great way for people who are are trying to get the truth and what's really being said and what's going on out there is to go to the GeorgiaCary.org radio Facebook page, not just the the Georgia Cary Facebook page, but the the Radio Hour Facebook page and look at some of the things that we're putting up that shows what all's going on in this country because there's so much information that's being misconstrued and, and misrepresented. But here, you know, the president puts out this fact sheet and I know that the fact sheet isn't the actual executive orders and it's not the actual uh, administrative law that's being passed here but it says in his fact sheet that um they are going to make sure that there is let me find it here most important thing to do is increase the background checks they want in people who are engaging in business and here's here's the 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 the, the of it. A person can be engaged in the business of dealing with firearms regardless of the location of where the firearm transaction is conducted. Okay, we've known that. I mean, you can, if you're at a, a gun show or if you're at your home or your place of business, you can do either one as an FFL. you got to be at your place of business to conduct business, otherwise, it's not legal. So then he says. For example, a person can engage in the business of dealing in firearms even if the person conducts firearm transactions at gun shows or through the Internet. Now, here's something that everybody is getting wrong. There's like, well, if I go on Gun Broker and order a gun, it's got to go through an FFL. Okay, we're coming up on a commercial break, so we'll be right back, folks.
0: Back to georgiacarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: We're we're back, folks. Uh, the, what I was saying when we took the break was, you know, if you if you order from GunBroker, okay, well I got to have it shipped through my FFL and I do a background check. That is not what he's talking about. He's not talking about GunBroker. Okay. What he's talking about is the outdoor trader. He's talking about Georgia Outdoor News. He's talking about the, the swap and sell on, on, and the equipment exchange on AR15.com. Places where you can meet up with somebody in your own state and person to person make a sale of a firearm. And Obama believes, and probably rightly so, that a majority of firearms transactions these days are not taking place for new guns through dealers or FFLs, but they're taking place on this kind of gray market where people Are meeting each other and selling them in the parking lot of a Kroger just like Craigslist used to. You know, was was the big thing. You go on Craigslist you can get yourself a phone. Now there's some worry about whether it's stolen or not, and the same thing with firearm sales that are happening without an FFL. But you know, people are taking this and, and because they're not making their value from going through a dealer. If you go to a dealer and you try to sell him your gun, he's gonna offer you about twenty five percent less than it's worth. So he can sell it for what it's worth and still make a profit and keep his lights on. This is the cost of doing business. And if you want to sell it for the full face value, then you have to sell it yourself. Well how are you gonna do that? You know, it's really hard to find buyers. But it's not anymore. With the Internet, you can find buyers instantly. And this is revolutionizing the way cars are being sold. Your used car market is expounding, and your used gun market is expounding. And the the problem here for Obama is that these transactions, are there's not on the books as far as he's concerned. So he's trying to make these people who sell guns through the Internet, not Gun Broker, but through the Outdoor Trader or the Equipment Exchange or any of these other venues to be federally licensed dealers. Now, if you're not a federally licensed dealer and you're engaging in the business of firearm sales, then you're subject to criminal fines, you're subject to civil penalties, and he hasn't really changed any law. He's just changing the definition, and the definition was set up by his own department, and we'll get to that in just a second. But here's the scary part, okay? So we get down to the end of this long paragraph, and it says... Um, But it is important to note that even a few transactions, when combined with other evidence, can be sufficient to establish that a person is engaged in the business. For example, courts have upheld convictions for dealing without a license when as few as two firearms were sold or when only one or two transactions took place. When other factors were also present. So at the end of his press release, the end of his announcement announcing what he's doing here, he says, if you sell two firearms or you have one transaction selling firearms, the courts can have you charged criminally with being a firearms dealer that's unlicensed. Now, why would he put that in there? What's the point of putting that language in his big press release? It
2: was all about making people fearful of buying and selling guns. Exactly. It's not about crime. It's not about keeping mass shootings from happening. It is simply about making honest Americans fearful of practicing their freedoms. And this is a typical Muslim tactic, I believe. And i obama has always in my mind been a a muslim so when he starts talking about gun control and saving lives and shedding crocodile tears to me it's it's all about politics and controlling people but that's what the democrats want to do they always want to control people
1: anyway a person who willfully engages in the business of dealing with firearms without the required license is subject to criminal prosecution and be sentenced to five years in prison and up to a $250,000 fine. And that's what this is coming down to. On, on, in paragraph one, he says, even selling two guns or just one transaction can be enough for you to be need a license. And here you have to have... You can go to prison for five years for it. Now, the question is, is if you apply for a license and say, hey, I'm going to buy or sell two guns this year, I would like to get a federal firearms license, ATF is going to laugh at you.
2: Yeah, so you can be prosecuted for something you can't even get a license to do.
1: And I think that that... It's the inherent problem. I think that it would be a good idea for, for individuals all across this country to start submitting an application for an FFL and for the reason for FFL saying, I'm going to sell two guns this year. So, and, and then when they're denied, they go and they sell their two guns. And if there's any prosecution brought against them, they wave that in front of the judge and say, I tried. They forced me. This was a setup.
2: We're looking at the most dangerous cities in the U.S. Yes. And number one just happens to be, can you guess what city? Atlanta. It's Detroit. Oh. Well, duh, it's Detroit. Detroit is one of the cities that has pretty strict gun rules. Mm-hmm. Um, they're number one, this is for 2015, with a, 40, a murder rate of 45 per 100,000 people. So, then we're going to move on to number two, which is Oakland, California. The whole state of California has pretty strict and stringent gun
1: control, Yeah, right? we're going to talk about California's no-gun list. Soon. So,
2: their violent crime rate is 1,977 per 100,000 people, and their murder rate is 22 per 100,000 people.
1: Good old California.
2: Uh, they have one co- one officer to every 632 people in the city of Oakland
1: wow it's police state um and they still can't keep crime down
2: memphis tennessee and i don't think memphis has any really serious gun control legislation do they
1: i don't if they do it's local ordinances
2: i think that they may have some local ordinances but i think memphis has always been just a kind of a scary place to go anyway blues
1: barbecue elvis it's scary,
2: but they're number three, and then number four is St. Louis, Missouri.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> I have stories about St. Louis. I've driven through there, and that is number five is Cleveland,
2: and Cleve- Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland rocks. Yeah, uh, Cleveland's and got some issues
1: and stabs.
2: Uh-huh. Baltimore, Maryland. Don't get me started on Maryland's gun control.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Baltimore burning its own city down.
2: Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
1: But they were peaceful protesters.
2: Yeah, it's funny they didn't burn the food stamp office. Just saying.
1: Mil- Milwaukee is is you know cheesehead capital. What can you say? They're, they get the a little beer row- capital. They get a little rowdy, don't you know?
2: And then Birmingham, Alabama. Sweet Home, Alabama.
1: They have good gun control laws.
2: They have good gun control laws.
1: Yeah. Uh, a, a, a huge absence of gun control laws. Birmingham is, is part of Alabama. Alabama's pretty decent.
2: So, then we have Newark, New Jersey, and that falls in, up underneath the n- north-
1: northeast corridor yeah. of insanity. Go Chris Christie. Thank you.
2: Kansas City, Missouri is number 10. But funny... We have cities in here that have serious gun control in the, in their cities or states. Atlanta doesn't fall under any of those ten most dangerous cities Which in, kind of in of the U.S. for 2015. In fact, it didn't. Any city in Georgia, none were there, and we have some pretty open gun gun laws here.
1: I don't see any cities in Vermont. I don't see any. How about cities Colorado
2: in that allows campus carry?
1: You know, Vermont and Alaska are constitutional carry states. Yeah, Uh, I don't see anyone from Texas. Was there anything in Texas there? Nope. Open carry with a license, and you know now there are people circulating these these cards that you can sign and leave that say, "I saw someone open carrying in your restaurant. I didn't know what their intentions were, so I'm never coming back." I kind of think that those sort of people really. What are they doing in Texas? And I was just astounded and flabbergasted that a Texas did not allow open carry. Of all places, you know, you think Texas would have open carry. Where are you going to have your barbecue gun to show it off at if you can't do open carry in Texas? No kidding. But that we, what, something you touched on was California and their strict gun control laws. And uh, did you know that California removed a whole bunch of guns from their, their list of guns that you're allowed to have in California just this last week?
2: Yeah, that's crazy. It was almost every handgun known to
1: mankind. It was. I mean, and, you know, there are some things that you kind of expect to see pop up there. You know, I, I can understand as, you know, Glock releases new versions of the exact same gun over and over with a different barrel length and a different number, that if the old gun wasn't allowed, the new, you know, five-inch barrel version is not going to be allowed. I can see that. But they, when you start to,
2: listed every nineteen eleven that's every been manufactured, every, every Smith, revolver every that's Smith been, and
1: Wesson revolver, most of the Ruger revolvers. I don't know what they're looking for. I don't know what their criteria is. But when you're banning twenty two caliber revolvers, when you're banning twenty two target pistols,
2: their criteria is guns, PPKs, Doug. If it's a gun, it's illegal in California.
1: PPK, PPKS, um, just the Desert Eagle, just about everything that you can imagine as far as a handgun. Uh, the XD line from Springfield, everything is all gone. And according to their regulations, if you have these guns and you're a resident, you have 60 days to sell, sell them or get them out of the state. That's crazy. I'm kind of hoping that this is going to unleash a flood of, of used revolvers onto that evil internet gun broker market where we can get some a little cheaper. You know, if you've got 60 days or you're going to be a felon for possessing it, maybe you'd be a little more motivated to sell.
2: <laughs> I'll give you $400 for that $1,500 gun just to get it off your hands and keep you from going to jail. There you go. Yeah. I mean, for real. It, it's creating... A, attitude of fear like it's a culture of fear about guns and you know i I was like i think i'll buy myself another gun this year now i'm like "Eh, i don't know if i should buy another gun this year i think you should i'm scared i'm scared to purchase anymore because i'm afraid that i'm going to end up in prison i'll
1: get you a good lawyer
2: i'm sure (laughs) you're licensed to practice in federal court so just in case you can always hire doug to vote to Cover you in federal court. Well, we're coming up on another commercial break, so we'll be back. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org radio.
0: And now back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: So, we've been talking about all the absurdity between the town hall meeting and and what California is doing suddenly to to eliminate handguns from the entire state. Another thing that has come up in the president's orders that's really getting ignored uh, by a lot of conservatives, by a lot of gun rights groups, by the NRA is the change, it's called 41P, the change to uh, the definitions. Regarding the National Firearms Act, uh, regarding entities other than individuals in purchasing Class 3 weapons. So we're talking about... Trusts, LLCs, (laughs) Type S Corps, anything along those lines. Now... Jesse, I know that you can describe what, what a trust is and, and why you would want a trust for making these kind of purchases because you help me all the time as we draft these for people all over the state and, and really all over the country as people are, are getting more and more interested in it. Right. Did you know that in the year two thousand there were nine hundred applications by via a third party entity for an NFA item? Really. And last year there was ninety thousand.
2: Well, why? why because so many
1: and there's, there's a lot of advantages. Now, I think that the best advantage is to use an LLC or an S-Corp. But the downside of that is that you have a yearly registration fee to keep your corporation going. And if you were to miss your registration period, you could be in a lot of trouble because the corporation would evaporate and so would the owner of your tax stamp. Not in a disillusioned way, but in literally like a vanishing. So, that's something that a lot of people were concerned about. Plus, the extra fees, you know, if you, even if you're, Fee for renewing your LLC is only say $20 a year, which is absurdly low. You look at this in a course of 10 years, you've already paid an extra $200 to keep it running. And if you're looking at it in the course of 50 years, you're looking at 1000 bucks to keep it running. And a lot of people just didn't want the extra expense when they were looking at buying a very cheap NFA-required item like a, a, a suppressor that only costs $300 to begin with, and you're putting in a $200 tax stamp, you're not going to pay a $1,000 in maintenance fees for an LLC. So that brought us up to the trust. The advantage of a trust is that There are no monthly or yearly maintenance fees for it. Once it's enacted, it's ready to go. It makes the purchase on behalf of a beneficiary. That beneficiary will eventually inherit the item without having to pay an extra $200 stamp. Other people besides the individual purchaser can possess the item, which is a very handy thing for when you die and you want it to go to your children and they're underage and you need to have someone else hold on to it for five or six years. Um, It also allows your wife to be able to possess the, the key code to the lock where the thing is and everything being safe. So it has a lot of practical uses. It has a lot of good uses. But ATF has never figured out quite how to fingerprint a trust. I mean, do you go up to the trust and say, give me your right hand or your left hand? What ATF did was have you send in the paperwork of your trust so that they could verify that it was a valid trust and that it was enacted, and then they would grant the tax stamp. So now we've got 41P that comes in that is creating a new category of person that has never been before in NFA law, that of a responsible party. You're not going to find a responsible party anywhere in the 1934 National Firearms Act, but Obama has created out of thin air. And this responsible party will have to send in picture, fingerprints, and all sorts of other things.
2: And it's all responsible parties. It's not just one person. It's anyone who has access to the use of the item, right, to use it or transport it?
1: Yep. That is the definition that we're currently hearing. Now... I've heard things that there's going to be a new public comment period. I've heard that it's going to go into effect immediately. I've heard that it's going to be going into effect in June or July. And nobody's really too certain because we're only a few days out from the big announcement. And in the original announcement, um, the the fact sheet that I was reading off from earlier, it seemed like they were going to be shutting it down entirely and not accepting them. But now it seems to be more that they're just moderating it by the use of these responsible parties. So – what does this mean well the problem is is that most people just don't care most people are not interested in buying a short barrel rifle a short barrel shotgun a suppressor or a fully automatic weapon so it's such a small part of the gun owning community that nobody cares what's happening to these people or what rights are being infringed and here's
2: the problem with that is if you don't care when somebody else's rights are infringed don't whine when yours
1: are well, you know there's a famous poem from Nazi Germany about that, and I sit here and look at this and think my goodness if if you can't get your your dander up over people's rights being infringed." You know, what, what is the long-term consequence? Where where are we going to be? And it's creating its own kind of precedent. They may say these are the most dangerous weapons. Well, they're not, really. They've been relegated to obscurity because of the way that the laws are written, that people can't afford the tax stamps, that the tax stamps are hard to get, that they make you jump through all sorts of hoops. You had to go before. there. This is one thing that they're getting rid of. But the, before you had to go and get a chief law enforcement officer for your area to sign off on it, people in Fulton County just couldn't get Get one, Unless they used a trust or LLC. Under the new regulations, that's going away. I had heard that the new regulations were going to include that instead of having to do the massive background check that normally is associated with um, class three purchases, that you are simply going to have to do a Nix check like you do anytime you purchase any gun from a dealer and i thought that that would be a great thing because that would relieve the backlog right i mean there uh-huh. would then not be any backlog for the issuing of stamps you send them the money with a background check they turn it back in 10 days you're done
2: it's not gonna be that easy they'll hold it up looking for any excuse they can to not give it to you
1: well they yeah. aren't they aren't doing the NICS check they're doing their the antiquated full background check still and the reason that ATF wanted the Nix check was because then that would push it would speed it up. Well, no, A- ATF has to do the background checks for the NFA stuff. But if Nix is not run by ATF, Nix is run by
2: uh, the Social Security Administration. I don't know. F- Why do you ask me?
1: FBI. FBI does the records keeping for NICs and for all the criminal databases. So this would push it from ATF having to do all the legwork to FBI having to do all the legwork. In an automated system that's getting huge amounts of funding to get it updated, why not push it over there where it would be simpler to do? But no, we're still going to have to jump through the old antiquated hoops just without the chief law enforcement officer sign off.
2: Well, see, that's the thing is they want to say expanded background checks and blah, blah, blah but then they want to you violate every other right we have in doing it, take forever in doing it, when there's easier ways to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree with bringing on more people to do the background checks. You know, he was saying that they was going to make them available 24-7. 24/7. I don't think that that's necessarily um, as important as having extra people there to look into the three-day waiting period there. Too many people are able to acquire a gun like the um, South Carolina, South Carolina guy. He got his because of that three day waiting period. Mm -hmm. Had there been more people looking into him a little harder during that three days, he would never have been able to get that gun. Right. If they're going to expand the background checks, work harder on those instances rather than making it harder on the law-abiding citizen. If it comes up and pops up that there's a three-day wait, that person probably has something there that you need to look at for just a second.
1: We have a fundamental discrepancy in the way that we look at the world these days. And it used to be that a person who believed that they should sacrifice liberty to have security deserved neither, right? I mean, you've heard that quote. But now we talk about if even, you know, even if we were to save one life by, by sacrificing liberty, isn't it worth doing? And, you know, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but the the answer is not rhetorical. It's no. No. If, if, even if we save one life, it's not worth it if the we have the to. The thing of it is, is,
2: is you're responsible for your life. I'm responsible for my life. Doug's responsible for his life. And the only other lives we're responsible for is that of our children. Mm-hmm. So, is it my job to save Joe Schmo on the street because he wasn't prepared and in carrying a gun to protect himself in from a, the socia- murder
1: in a socialist nation? Yeah,
2: but this isn't a socialist it is nation. Now. It's not supposed to be.
1: It is now. And yeah, it has unfortunately.
2: Been. Since, Did you see the interview from Hillary Clinton where they asked her what was the difference in a Democrat and a socialist, and she couldn't, couldn't answer? answer. Him?
1: No, of course not. Because there's not
2: it. a difference. But she wanted. Oh, there's a difference, but I'm not sure what it is. She hem-hawed around it all the way around it, and was asked several times. And, and a few months ago, another person was asked, another Democrat was asked the same question, and wasn't able to answer. I think it was Anderson Cooper that asked that question, but I may be wrong.
1: If that's the case, then I'm a little bit more impressed with CNN than I think I can be.
2: I'm not 100% sure. I can't recall.
1: I, it doesn't sound like the kind of hardball question that CNN would bother asking. You know, we, there were some great people at the town hall debate, debate the, the town hall proclamation, I think would be a better word for it, last night, who were saying things like, you know, Mr. President, what would this have done? How would this have stopped anything? And he doesn't have an answer for that. It probably He's willing to admit it. probably wouldn't, but shouldn't he we He said try? it
2: may have stopped one.
1: But so you're willing to infringe
2: on the rights of many to stop one
1: the murder? The, the good of the many outweigh the few of the one. I mean, isn't that utilitarianism at its core? And isn't utilitarianism the guiding philosophy of modern liberalism? And yet when it comes down to gun rights when the good of the many being able to be purchase and exercise freedom is better than the, the good of the one that might be might be saved from all of these restrictive and, and controversial measures no now now we're on deontological now the individual is sacrosanct i saw something that made me really think how can you trust someone who's willing to sacrifice the liberty of thousands to save one life but not willing to save one baby
2: well, they, they sit there and they talk about Planned Parenthood and giving Planned Parenthood more money. I mean, that's Hillary Clinton's thing is let's give Planned Parenthood more money when they're selling infant corpses. But we'll take away your guns because it might save one child while we're murdering millions a year.
1: Well, the truth is, is that they're not willing to, for us to have guns because they don't want us to get on the box cars, Folks, we'll be back in just a moment.
0: Back to org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome back, everybody. You know, we were talking about some pretty weighty issues, and when we took the break, we were getting into some pretty dark territory there as we talk about what is the real reason politicians want to take away your guns. You know, the the truth is is that you're you're seeing some rumblings across this nation that are being portrayed in, in kind of grave light, like what's going on in Oregon. I mean, there you've got people there with guns who have seized an abandoned federal building, which the media is trying to hype up to a, a fervor pitch. They're calling that, them terrorists. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe not. I don't I don't really get too much into that. Well,
2: I don't, I don't understand why they're so quick to call those two white boys terrorists, but they won't call two Muslims with bombs strapped to their chest terrorists to save our souls.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm more interested in why seizing a federal I'm building... I'm sick of people
2: painting white people with one brush.
1: Seizing a federal building in... Um, it was Oklahoma or Oregon. Oregon. Seizing an Oregon federal building is is seen as an armed insurrection whereas taking and burning down half of baltimore is peaceful protests
2: (laughs) that's well it depends on the color of people's skin and and see this is where i have the issue is i've never been a racist and i don't judge other people for the color of their skin but I have seen more racial tension in the past two years of Hype my life media bias than I have seen in the United States in my entire life combined oh. that includes the l a riots over um was that gentleman that got Rodney beat by King. the cop? Rodney King. I'm including that in this. You know, I've never seen people rioting like this. And I believe that it's because of the race baiting of of the leftist media.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree. And they're, they're characterizing it in such a way in order to create tension. But you're starting to see some rumblings. I mean, when people are willing to seize a federal building, when people are willing, you know, and every time the president does something, and there's an, a huge influx now of Now, let
2: me say purchases. that an abandoned welcome center does not qualify, in my mind, as a federal building. When you say a federal building, I think the federal courthouse in downtown Atlanta, you, not a building that is on federal property. So let's be real
1: here. Well, you know what it's I an think, abandoned
2: building on federal property. You know
1: what I think when, I see, when I hear federal building, any place that I can get arrested for carrying my gun.
2: Well, they'll, they'll get arrested for having the guns there. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: and that's that's what it comes down to. You know, the uh, you, you, when you think of like federal buildings, like Timothy McVeigh blew up. Yeah, that's one kind of federal building. But I can't carry into a post office because it's a federal building. I can't carry into the bathrooms at the Stone Mountain or the, um, uh, Kennesaw Mountain Battlefield Park because it's a. Really, you
2: can't carry into the bathroom. It,
1: it's a I federal said, bill This name. is why I
2: don't go these places.
1: Yeah. It's a federal bill It bill was name.
2: like um, Alabama's state law that was you couldn't go into their rest stops with your firearm and the signs were like the weight of the law and they would have you arrested for... And I refused to use their rest stops to the point that I would rather pull over on the side of the road and pee in a ditch than use their rest stop. <laughs> no lie. Done it. <laughs> Not proud of it, but done it.
1: Well... You know, the, that's Thank what. Thank God I'm, we don't
2: have to do that in Georgia. Thank you, Georgia that'll
1: work. <laughs> yeah, at least, at least in Georgia, you can use the re- the public rest stops and drop your gun in the toilet if you had to.
2: Oh yeah.
1: Anyway, the, the, the gist of this is that there's an awful lot of rumblings going on across this country. People are unhappy and they're unhappy the way the government is. I've said on this show before that you know when when Obama says anything about guns, people go out and buy guns and mass. Do you know that one third of all guns sold in the US ever were sold in the last seven years? <laughs> going back to the time we first started keeping records, and we didn't start keeping records. Um, in 1934 with the requirement that they be serial numbered we've been keeping records on some of this stuff since harper's ferry back in the 1840s if you add up all the guns sold in the u.s. and the entire history of the u.s. one third of them were sold during president obama's presidency Man, that, adventure
2: outdoors should just hire him
1: that as is a spokesperson that is a huge condemnation on our government and it is and this is something that i've been wanting to get to all week okay folks i've so just Batten down the hatches And hold on tight This is not President Obama's fault at all None of this with Nothing's ever
2: President Obama's fault What are you talking about? None of this
1: with his executive orders are his fault This is not his direction This is not his program This is not his legacy Are you saying
2: he's just a puppet?
1: No, what I'm saying is that Congress told him to do it
2: Congress told him to do it. Yeah, Why?
1: because when the Congress passed the legislation that allows for there to be background checks, when Congress passed the legislation that requires an FFL to do to do business in firearms, do you know what definitions they laid out on how all this was to be done? None. They gave no definitions at all. What they did is they said, you create administrative agency law to implement these code sections that we're putting in the US code. So then you go to the CFR and ATF and FBI and Treasury and now Justice and Homeland Security writes the regulations on how the authorized legislation will be implemented. So if there's anything in there, if there's anything at all that the president is doing that is beyond his authority, It's only because Congress has given him a blank freaking check to write any definitions he wants and change them any time he wants in order to implement the laws that they did not want to take the time to write the regulations for and how they're supposed to be implemented. And Congress can snap it back. Congress can pass a law today that says this is not what this can mean. You can't have that in your, your implementation of this law. And then it's gone. Because it's Congress's power to do that. But we turn to Congress. The day after the president comes out and says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to enact these. I've got my pen and I got my phone and I'm going to enact this stuff. Congress turns around and says, eh, it's sideshow. Instead, we're going to send a, a worthless bill that defunds Obamacare and hope that the president signs it. And now vote for us. And this is entirely pandering by both sides. This is Congress pandering into it its base saying, we defunded Obamacare. This is Obama pandering his base saying, I took action on guns, even when Congress wouldn't. They both know that nothing's going to happen from either side on, on either of these issues, and they're just playing the middle against itself to try to get you riled up to vote for them in November, instead of people who actually do something about what's going on in this country.
2: You know, I talked to you. Um, Congressman Austin Scott's office. David Scott. Austin
1: Scott. Austin Scott. Scott. David's son.
2: And was given a direct quote, um, and his quotation was, President Obama's latest executive action is another example of his personal agenda taking precedence over constitutional rights of law-abiding citizens. His his proposal to limit some seniors from purchasing firearms by making their Social Security records part of the National Instant criminal background check system is beyond radical. As a lifetime member of the NRA, long before being elected to the Congress and a firm supporter of the Second Amendment, I will continue to fight against attempts in Congress to interfere with your rights to keep and bear arms, and will use all available options to fight his gun control agenda.
1: Well, that's interesting.
2: That's what... um, Austin Scott. Austin Scott said, which is... um, I want to say 8th District... I can't remember.
1: Well, it's nice that they at least He's had a, a press He's a Georgia, Georgia congressman. Right. Congressman is he, for Georgia. At, at least he had a press statement ready when we contacted him. A lot of them didn't. I know we're still waiting to hear back from Johnny Isaacson. He may come on next week. Um, his office is looking into whether or not they want to be on our show or not. And after today's rant, maybe they won't want to be. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I, I'm I'm pretty riled up about Congress not taking the reins back from an imperial president, an imperial presidency. Well, well you, you know, if they're
2: listening, I challenge them to... <clears throat> Tell us something that gives us some some hope that this isn't just a big show of of political power
1: Paul Ryan sure isn't doing it for me I mean he's up there he looks like he's he's got red eyes and maybe he's burning the midnight oil or maybe he's he's only half there I just I don't know <laughs> hanging the out problem, with the
2: left each and the,
1: the problem is is that they, we're not getting anything done we give blank checks to the presidency he wants X amount of dollars we give him twice as much we we cave in on every one of his major programs it's all about just doing whatever the president wants and there's there, there is no backbone in Congress there's no one who's willing to stand up and say we are a co-equal brand of government. There's and a backbone. The, it's just crooked. They're I'm all sorry. politicians. The, the, the Congress is not a co-equal branch government with the presidency. I know they teach that in school, but that is bull. Congress is superior.
2: Congress is supposed to control the president when he tries to do radical BS like this.
1: The president, They're supposed to
2: be the ones that have the reins and go, oh, you know what? Uh-uh.
1: The president is made for doing immediate action on things, like organizing the military and fighting our enemies. And you know what he has to do in order to organize the military and fight our enemies? Get approval from Congress. He'll obey Congress for a bill of war. You know what he wants to do if he's going to spend money to implement things?
2: Beg Congress.
1: Go beg Congress. Which they will
2: over and give to him anyway, well, more than what he's asking for.
1: Sometimes Congress should work with the presidency, but the end of it is, is that the Congress is supposed to rein him in. Folks, we're at the end of the day. Join GeorgiaCary.org. Go to GeorgiaCary.org and, and sign up right now because this is an important time. We're coming into a legislative session, and this is an important time to do it. We will be back next week.
0: This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.